0: Hello, you're listening to Sidewalk Confessionals. My name is Caleb. And my name is Jeremy. And today, we're going to do something a little bit different, although we only have one episode. But uh, this is going to break the mold of uh, what I originally had envisioned for the point of this podcast. I'm going to read a story because I'm a little bit of an amateur writer. And then, after I'm done reading this story, Caleb is going to critique the story right here yes live yes this i can do okay so uh without further ado um a little bit of backstory these characters that i'm using in the story are characters that i uh created a long time ago for a book that i have been working on for a very long time mostly because i just have this like incessant writer's block um that yeah it just doesn't go away and every time i try to sit down and write i just get horribly distracted and honestly i've just kind of like lost the motivation to write the book um but this gave me a little bit of motivation and spoiler alert this leaves on a cliffhanger so be looking forward to more installments of this story later this could be very exciting all right folks i'm really excited because i've never heard this
1: story before um in fact you wrote it What, you started last night, right?
0: I started last night, okay, and I continued writing it today, literally up until the point that we hit record, uh, and we're speaking to you right now. So I just printed this. All right, so let's begin. What's your story called? I don't have a title for the book, but this is going to be a chapter in the book, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, after it needs some refinement, obviously. But this chapter is called Allies in Africa. Jake ran down the narrow back roads of this strange new city and god knows where, occasionally jumping over small objects or using his hands and feet to keep himself from slamming into the sides of buildings whilst going around sharp turns. With every yard he ran, and consequently, every breath he took, he was met by a rich, pungent bouquet of smells, herbs and spices, strange foods being cooked in tiny stalls under tarps, and the overall odor of the bustling city. He rounded a corner between what appeared to be two homes, putting his arms out to use leverage and momentum to swing himself through the gap, and nearly ran directly into a man walking in the opposite direction, whom he evaded with a sidestep and a twirl, continuing along continuing along his hasty route when met by a dead end in a courtyard and hearing the shouts of the men from whom he was fleeing grow ever louder he quickly inspected his surroundings slightly thankful for the break in stride however brief he gasped for air his lungs burning as they screamed for relief then noticed a line of bricks going up the wall of one of the buildings that now trapped him The bricks protruded from the wall as if the Builder meant to cut them to length but forgot, as if the gods themselves had convinced him, the Builder, to leave them their full length for just such an occasion. Abandoning all concerns for personal safety, for it wouldn't matter anyway if he allowed himself to be caught, He jumped onto a table and began to scale the wall, using the bricks as hand and footholds, and stopped climbing only when he could climb no higher, his path now obstructed by the eaves and gutter of the roof of the building. Still holding himself close to the wall, he craned his neck to look back down to the courtyard and cursed in frustration as the men who'd given him chase gathered below, though their number was smaller than before as some of the men's stamina couldn't carry them thus far. Ah shit he muttered to himself as he contemplated his next move. As he did so, a deafening bang and resounding echo raced up the walls toward him, the sound of which he knew could only be a handgun, and at the same instant a bullet collided with the wall next to him, sending dust and debris into his face. Oh shit, he yelled without thought. He jumped back off the wall and his hands moved up to grab the gutter above him. The metal of the edge of the gutter cut deeply into his fingers, but he knew that if he lingered, the gutter's strength would fail and he would fall. Either that or he'd surely be shot. He pulled himself onto the roof, using his legs to assist when his arms could no longer support his full weight. Collapsing onto the roof, which was scaldingly hot from being exposed to the midday sun, he rolled away from the ledge and laid on his back for a few short moments, not able to fully process all that had transpired mere seconds before. He got back to his feet and began to run along the rooftops until he could no longer hear the shouting of the men. He waited by a cupola crouching on the side opposite the street on which this particular building sat and listened for a long moment. When he was absolutely certain he couldn't hear anyone chasing after him, he found a way off the roof and began briskly walking back to he and his partner Riley's safe house, being sure to take as convoluted a path as possible. Why do you waste so much time climbing, Jake? He mocked Riley who always questioned why he spent so much of his day in the climbing gym. You'll never need those skills in the field, he continued. Wait till he hears about this. Maybe he'll spend less time in the shop and more time in the gym with me. Also, who the fuck were those guys? All I wanted to do was get one lead. Just one. Now we're gonna have to move to a new safe house, find a new way to break into that stupid library, find that stupid archive, all because some thugs got a little pissy about me borrowing one of their cars. Jake muttered to himself, pausing in speech and stride when he felt something wet roll down the tip of one of his fingers. He held his hands out in front of himself, palms up, and realized that the gutter's undressed edge left short but deep incisions on the third and fourth fingers of his left hand and similar cuts in the first and fourth fingers on his right. Ah, fuck me, Jake swore to himself as he looked at his surroundings for a rag or strip of cloth. Turning around, he locked eyes with a woman staring at him from the doorway of a small shop. She gave him an inquisitive look, then beckoned him over with a nod of her head and a flick of one eyebrow so slight Jake thought he'd imagined it. As he approached, the woman said, Most injuries can be avoided through careful consideration of one's circumstances. Jake stared, nonplussed at the woman, for the wording she chose was the exact wording his mother had used whenever he'd injured himself as a child, wording he later realized was the first part of a coded phrase. Remembering the list of suitable replies from his mother's journal, he said, Indeed, but sometimes we have to choose the lesser of two afflictions. Nevertheless, you look in need of assistance. I know a wonderful doctor with ribbons in her hair. This Jake recognized as a personal identifier, but one he never thought he'd hear. A wonderful doctor with ribbons in her hair was the code used by his mother's sister, but according to his mother's journals, she died on a trip to Russia some thirty years ago. I want to trust you, Jake said quietly, but how do I know you are who you say you are? The woman you claim to be died thirty years ago. Follow me inside and I'll explain everything I can," the woman replied, standing aside to allow Jake to enter the shop. I'm the last of the Caldwell sisters. The last of the three Caldwell sisters. Jenny, your mother, was the youngest of us. My name is Jillian, and the sister you likely read about in your mother's journals is Jacqueline, my twin. While Jacqueline and I went off to study medicine, your mother became a founding member of the organization I assume you are trying to learn more about. Jillian began to pull medical supplies out of a cabinet on the wall while she talked. "'Your mother never told you about me because I was involved with her work. She kept me a secret to protect you.' "'Fat lot of good that did,' she said with a small chuckle. "'Now, sit down and lay your hands on the table.' Jillian pointed to a small round table in the corner of the shop and gathered an armful of supplies. She sat down across from Jake and inspected the wounds on his hands, bending each injured finger slightly as she did. Jake tried to remain calm, but as the adrenaline wore off, the pain increased. You're going to need stitches, I'm afraid. But not to worry. I have everything I need right here, and I've done this thousands of times. She began to prepare Jake's hands for the procedure, and as she did, Jake said, This is certainly a lot to take in, but I suppose it does account for the few gaps in the information I have so far. Do you know anything about the guys who chased me? They didn't have any identifying symbols from what I could tell. Of course, I didn't spend much time looking at them. Jake winced as Jillian injected some clear liquid into his finger, which burned for a few seconds. They were probably some local thugs. There are lots of them around here lately. They form small groups who control different parts of the city. It won't be a problem if you keep your head down. Jake was silent for the remainder of the time it took Jillian to suture his hands, contemplating all that he'd just learned. What the woman told him lined up with the intel that brought he and Riley to the city in the first place, but running into the exact person he needed to see at the exact moment he needed to see her seemed too perfect. I'm going to have to go over this with Riley, he thought. Oh shit, Riley! He exclaimed as he realized his comms had been off for the entirety of the adventure earlier that day. I have to check in with Riley, he's gonna think I'm dead. He pulled a small earpiece out of his pocket and put it into his ear. Riley? Riley, do you copy? He could hear nothing but static from the earpiece. Riles? What the hell happened? God damn it Jake, I was about to call so much backup we could have seized control of the fucking Kremlin. Are you okay? Have you been made? I'm all right. The mission isn't compromised, but you need to get out of that safe house ASAP. I'm sending you my location. Don't come directly here, and don't go too far to the east of the city. I'll explain everything when you get here. We may have allies in Africa, after all. Oh, very
1: nice. The ending was actually my favorite, allies in Africa, after all. I love title references. (laughs) Well, I actually don't have a lot of uh, negative criticism about this. Um, of course, I don't think it as a first chapter because no, it just no. comes out of nowhere. Yeah, no, it's, it's way too much to absorb. Um, yeah,
0: but this is after you've been introduced to the characters and you kind of figure out why they're in Africa in the first place. I quite like the. You're very descriptive with the scenery. You painted
1: the picture in my mind. I really got the feel for this kind of like. the 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 area and this classic sort of adventure romp style this is this is familiar i like this Um, um often a problem that i find with amateur writers is uh they repeat themselves too much yeah you didn't repeat yourself so
0: i felt like i repeated myself
1: constantly oh well actually in in reading the story you you really need to work on confidence with your voice so that you can just keep barreling through oh yeah but as far as the writing of the story it wasn't very redundant so
0: i've been this is something that i read uh i can't remember he's a writer i can't remember who 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 that who originally said this, but I read something a little while ago. It was just a short post on Twitter. But it basically was advice to young writers mm-hmm. do exercises every once in a while. Do an exercise. Give yourself a really, really short prompt. Write maybe three paragraphs and try not to repeat a single explanatory word mm-hmm. once. Just if you need if you need to describe something in the same way find a synonym don't use the same word over and over again i've been using i've been doing that for a little while and it actually really helps
1: yeah i can see i can see the improvement um and i'm i like this i'm looking forward to seeing where this going and i where this is going and i don't actually think you need to change it i don't um maybe in the maybe in the wider context of the story it might need to be changed for the pacing purposes but as it's As it is, I think this is a fantastic start.
0: I like the pace of the first part Mm. of this chapter the scene where he's running from these guys, Mm. from these just random thugs. You kept
1: the energy up of it very well. But I mean, I'll admit, Jillian, she came out of nowhere, but that's the same for our character. Our main character feels the same way. He's kind of like,
0: okay, so everything's moving so fast. I haven't written the book, and I don't know how long it's going to be until I write the book, so I will give you a little bit of context for this because it does. Come out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and I think it, it just improves on the story. So, listen to what I'm about to say, and then go back to the beginning, and then listen to the story again. Mm-hmm. I think that would, I think that might help put this into context a little bit. So, Riley and Jake, um, I'm not going to tell you much of Jake's backstory because that's basically the point of this entire book. But Riley and Jake have a few leads on. Um, basically like a mystery that they're trying to solve. They have a few leads so far and everything that they have is pointing them in the direction of this little town with a name that no one can pronounce in Africa. And it also happens to be, although Jake doesn't know this because Jake uh, is only finding out about the existence of this third sister in this chapter. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know this yet, but this exact town uh, and specifically the shop that Jillian is in used to be a safe house from the organization that his mother helped found. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't know that she's there, but because he's been using a lot of his mother's old journals as research, it pointed him in this direction. So the reason he happened to be there, uh, and Jillian was also there. Is because Jillian has been there since. So it's not like a
1: totally chance encounter. He was basically popping around in the area from guidance from his dead mother. Um, is his mother dead? Yes. Okay. He's basically popping around in there from guidance from his dead mother, and then of course, because of the intertwined narratives, you know, wheels within wheels and whatnot. Uh, Jillian is hanging around there and so it makes sense that they should pop into each other even though he's not expecting her
0: yeah exactly
1: so it's not like he just went to africa on an adventure and oh
0: my god my mom's long lost sister
1: right which would be really weird yeah yeah so although not impossible stranger things have happened
0: folks the reason she's introduced like that is because up until this point the story is only following jake so everything that you're experiencing in the book you're experiencing from Jake's point of view with just, uh, like, little sprinklings of the experiences of other characters. Like a regular book would be written. But you're not experiencing full chapters written in the point of view of another character.
1: I mean, Jake is our protagonist, so we're following his point of view for the most part.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he's introduced to her in this ridiculous uh, circumstance. And... The reason, the reason he knows these um, these code phrases, and the reason his although m- I will ask one thing,
1: why does she know him? Has she been keeping an eye on him?
0: Yeah. Okay. So I think, I think I'm in an, in another chapter. Maybe the chapter right after this, after I edit this chapter a little bit and actually get to that point in writing the book. See, I have the story figured out. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of writing it. But um. I think right after this chapter and maybe the next chapter that I read um, on the podcast is going to kind of jump back in time a little bit. Well, a lot of it, actually, and kind of give you just some backstory on Jillian because she is the last living... Uh, Caldwell. Caldwell, right. She's the last living uh, descendant of Jake's family other than Jake. Mm-hmm. So... She's basically. She's basically been keeping an eye on Jake, but she's also been keeping her distance because she knows that the remnants of the organization that she and her sister Jake's mother were involved in would be extremely dangerous if Jake, if ever Jake was in trouble or something like that. Um, and the only reason that she approached him in this is because she could see that he was clearly in need of. Attention! And at this point, he obviously couldn't go to a hospital if there even was one in this town. So
1: she's been keeping an eye on him. And this was the most opportune time to introduce herself because he needed her.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And the reason he knows these code phrases is because his mother has been. Well, he's obviously been in this lifestyle for a long was, time. He was orphaned mm-hmm. really young. But what he can remember of his mother is interspersed with these code phrases from her journal entries from her journal entries and just from like random memories you know how everyone has those like weird out of context memories from their childhood yeah. some of his are his mother saying these code phrases to him
1: okay
0: yeah and that's the point that's the point of these code phrases they're supposed to seem completely innocuous to someone who doesn't know what they mean oh, yeah they're supposed to seem like oddly worded but not can't you suspicious. speak kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Like that. Yeah.
1: I love that they're so blatantly British. Yeah, well, I can't well, the, do the a British. Is. I can't do a British
0: accent, but Jake um, lived in Britain until he was like thirteen, mm-hmm. so he has the British accent, more of like a, I don't want to say like a Cockney accent, but you know, kind of like the.
1: Well, it was that. What, what, what she say that he, you lot. Uh, only Cockneys say that.
0: Oh, fat lot of good that. fat
1: did. lot of good that did. Yeah. Well, I guess other British people say that, but yeah, I feel I'm feeling the Cockney. Okay. I feel it.
0: Yeah. Don't yeah, embrace exactly. it. It's not that like it's not a super proper British accent. It's kind of like that dirty
1: Mm-mm. Yeah. Manchester accent.
0: Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. That's
1: not what I just did. I don't even know what I'm doing probably fucking received pronunciation or something.
0: I said innocuous <laughs> That reminded me of something though there's um there's certain words you've probably encountered this too mm-hmm. there's certain words that people consistently say wrong or they replace them with another word or like phrases um anecdote there's a certain I'm not gonna name them but there's a certain youtuber who uh, whom I've been watching recently and every time they say the word or they mean the word anecdote they say antidote they, yeah they say antidote and it gets me every time.
1: I've been I've been dealing with some people lately who say supposedly. Oh, yeah. Or probably. Probably. Probably.
0: I mean, I guess I not. I mean, myself, I do. No, I must say or probably. I say probably. I, I say words correctly. I pronounce the B, but it's not pronounced. It's sometimes not, I'll say not, probably. It, you know? Uh, if you're well, speaking Well, probably going to do this. If, yeah, if you're speaking quickly, or if you're just kind of like, it doesn't really matter, you're speaking... I mean, to be fair,
1: I consider myself a self-proclaimed knight and protector and part of the old guard of the English language. That being said, I have much less of a pedant than I used to be. And especially living in a mixed language household. Um, My partner is Mexican.
0: and speaks primarily
1: Spanish. Yeah, he speaks mostly Spanish. He speaks level one English. Um, it's you. I've come to realize that so much of language is just about communicating what you mean and not holding to these very specific structures, forms, and rules. Yeah. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. That's how language grows, evolves, and yeah, is used. But... Uh, in my heart, me. in my heart, I hold a love for real, proper English yeah. as an art form.
0: Yeah. I try to incorporate as much of that as I know, at least, um, into writing. I think conversationally. Conversationally, yes. English can be mutilated. English language in general should flow. Right. But yeah. uh, However you need to mutilate the English language, as painful as it may be for me, do it. So that you can get your point across. But when you are writing, when you are writing, punctuate, Mm -hmm. please. Punctuate. Use the correct words. I don't need to be. And please, I don't need to be reading about how much Jimmy loves to eat his grandma. What are we on about? Um, you were supposed to have a story prepared. Okay
1: guys, so this entire episode was supposed to be in to inspire you about how as tough as being creative can seem, it's actually really easy if you put your mind to it. And the truth is that's a complete fabrication and lie. Um, I put my mind to it and my mind kicked me in the face and produced absolutely nothing. Because my writer's block is still going strong and I did not produce a story. But I'm proud of Jeremy. He did it and so can you. It really does just require a little bit of relaxation, a tiny drop of inspiration, and mostly just the effort to just start putting words on the page. And then you can worry about whether those words are good or interesting after you've put them down. But you've got to start putting them down, and that's the basic thing. I didn't even start, so that was probably my first problem.
0: I need to also point out, though, that... You have to, if you're going to write, you have to kind of commit to it. Mm -hmm. You have to sit down and you have to remove, you have to put yourself into an environment that is devoid of any possible distraction. Put your phone in another room. No music, nothing. That's a good point. Let's talk about creative spaces. Um, You
1: know, we use this word creative, creativity a lot, but what does it mean
0: creative spaces as actual spaces in which to be creative not creative spaces sarah dg's show uh, uh, which caleb did not know existed until just now yeah we're gonna it will uh, call out but that's not what i'm talking about um
1: yes you know creativity is an action creativity is an idea it's putting ideas into action um If you're gonna work out, you know, do you just work out like in your hallway with just picking up random stuff? No, you usually have like, you either go to the gym or you have a room dedicated to doing your workout. Of course, there's different kinds of workouts. I mean, some people do parkour and stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. But anytime you're doing a certain activity, usually we have dedicated spaces for those activities. You cook in the kitchen, you sleep Everywhere, because you're depressed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You know, you sleep in your bedroom, you cook in the kitchen, you eat at the table. When you do these things, when you have structured, ritualized spaces, it helps you complete your actions uh, in what we can call the flow state. This is where everything happens naturally, and it just falls into place, because humans are really good at a couple things. One of those things is seeing patterns in absolute chaos. We are pattern making machines. And sort of contingent to that, I don't know if that is the right word, but sort of going along with that um, habit. Humans are creatures of habit. So when you create sort of I guess I'll talk about it as like a ritual space. Rituals are important, people. When you create a space specifically dedicated towards a certain kind of activity and you perform only that activity in it, subconsciously your brain will start wiring itself to perform that activity when the certain conditions have been triggered, such as being in a particular room that's set up in a certain way and not having these other distractions like, you know, your music, your TV, your smartphone, anything which is gonna distract you from what you're gonna be doing. But if you can just get yourself once, and it's and it's good to have your to have a dedicated room too, because literally walking into a new room, your brain resets itself every time you walk into a new room. Right. So if you have a studio or a creative space, it doesn't really matter if you're writing or whatever kind of creativity you're doing, create a dedicated space for it. It will help you. My God, I'm not even listening to my own advice. I don't have a dedicated creative space. Maybe that's why I'm failing in my creativity. You
0: need a writing room. I need a writing room. I actually, I'm bad at this too, because I don't have a dedicated space to write in, but my computer is set up in the studio that we're in right now. Um, and I turn everything non-essential off. Mm. I turn off the studio lights, I make sure my camera is not in the room so that I will not mess with it, I make sure my phone is in another room, I get myself uh, a, a cup of tea or a glass of wine or something to kind of relax me and I don't put on any music and I just sit with the document on open on my computer and I just start typing. Because even if what I'm typing is absolute word salad, eventually I will start forming a plot, and I'll start putting down, uh, I'll start putting together sentences that actually make sense. Mm. I'll start actually writing something. That's the best way, I think, at least. That's the best way I've found to actually start writing is to just start typing. Even though if you're even if you're hitting random letters for the first half of the document that you write get your fingers moving on the keyboard because eventually you will start writing.
1: Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, that's all writing is, just placing one word after another in no particular order. Most of the meaning is applied by the reader, not by you, so keep that in mind.
0: That's also, yeah, yeah. That's also true. You're really only doing, when you create... The inflection, so when I read this, mm-hmm. the inflection that I'm giving to uh, both... The the sections of dialogue and the sections, basically the whole thing. Anytime I'm giving inflection to anything that I'm reading, I'm giving it that inflection because I'm the one reading it and I wrote it. I know how I want it to sound. But when you read it, it's going to be different. Yeah. What
1: our stories mean to us and what our stories mean to other people is a complete mystery. I mean, this is what the fundamental human problem, knowing the other... How much can you really know and understand outside of yourself and your own perceptions? Well, that can be a scary thought, but at the same time, it can be a really comforting thought. If you think your story is shit, don't worry about it. Just get to a point where you're comfortable with it. It doesn't have to be perfect. And then put it out in the world. Put it out in the world and let other people experience it. Don't hoard it to yourself because it's not up to your standards of perfection. It might be amazing to somebody else, okay?
0: That's true. It might be even though it's not an amazing story or it's not uh, well-written, amazingly well-written, it could just be inspiring to someone because you did it. Yeah, that's enough. And it could give someone the motivation they need to start also writing something. Mm -hmm. And
1: don't forget, that's just that simple act of writing and then completing whatever you were writing and then putting it out there, whether or not its quality was great, it builds the foundation for writing more. Every time you start a project and finish it, it becomes like a building block. It's so satisfying. Mm -hmm. You need that satisfaction to help you grow. You know, I'm I'm guilty of this too. I'm guilty of starting a million projects
0: oh, and so
1: getting you know like
0: <laughs> every maker is <laughs> in, five percent, five ten
1: percent in, and then getting distracted or getting uh, distraught or downtrodden or not feeling good about it. And you know, without that commitment to the project, I, you know, I've got all these loose ends. And when you have these loose ends, they take up space in your mind maybe in the back of your mind they kind of take they draw from your well of creative energy because they're calling to be finished
0: right you're always thinking about them you're like i really shouldn't start another project or dedicate myself to another project because i have 10 other projects that i haven't finished it's a drain so
1: i know the need to create if not perfection something excellent because we've come we've come to a point in our society where most people know well it doesn't have to be perfect that's not true because most people still strive to make it as close to perfect I think as possible.
0: The thing is, and I mean, mm-hmm. this is the way it's always been and the way it's always going to be. But only the the really excellent creators are the ones who are going to get really popular. Mm-hmm. The really excellent creators are going to be the only creators who are giving amateur creators uh, meaningful amounts of inspiration. Mm-hmm. But what I'm seeing. What I've been seeing uh, over the past—I can't even give you a number of years, but it's—it's it's a while—and it's—it's legitimately inspiring. Is people like um, great, excellent makers, excellent writers, uh, people like Adam Savage, who—who who is a kind of a role a role model to me in terms of uh, like being a maker. People like him going out and like giving talks and everything like that people who are extremely successful off of nothing but their own creativity and some money from discovery (laughs) inspiring makers to just start making Mm -hmm. get some cardboard get if writing isn't your thing and you want to start making uh, models from your favorite tv show get yourself some cardboard and a roll of duct tape and a pack of colored Sharpies. You'd be amazed what you can do with corrugated cardboard and duct tape. Yeah, just
1: start. Even if it's just for fun, just do it for fun. If you can find that, that if you can just be enjoying yourself, it's a start,
0: you know, and it's a good thing. Um, There's also start making, but know in advance that Especially if you're embarking on a large project Mm -hmm. or something that you've never done before, which is always a good thing. Always try to incorporate a skill that you're not good at because that's the only way you're going to get better at it. Mm -hmm. But embark upon this journey of making something knowing that there's going to be a point in making whatever that you are going to absolutely hate the thing that you are making. Every project, especially if I'm making something uh, physical, like if I'm woodworking or if I'm welding or something like that, there is a point at which I hate the thing that I'm making because it's just taking more time than I thought it would and I'm not as good at the techniques as I'm using as I thought I was or that I want to be, but I know that the only way for me to get better is to continue working. So when the thing that you're making starts pissing you off uh, and you start losing the motivation to make the thing stop take a break but come back to it don't go start something else just get
1: going at it people it doesn't have to be perfect every time you successfully compete a project that'll give you a little bit boost you'll grow a little bit next time you'll be stronger next time you'll be better learn from your processes you know creation is uh is not is is putting out but it's also taking in Everything that you create, you should be giving something to the world, but as you're creating it, you're taking something from the world, you're learning something from the world too. And that helps you create more and better the next time. But there can't be a next time if you don't finish the first time, so. Not everybody's gonna be born with like a prodigious talent. You know, the prodigies are the 0.1% of the world, okay? Um,
0: you're never, don't when – you, when you just start doing something, I just started um, – I just started really committing myself to bouldering, mm-hmm. which if you don't know, it's – bouldering is climbing. It's rock climbing, but you're not climbing more than like 15 feet off the ground, so you don't use a rope. And you – when you're – when you top out on the route, either you climb back down like the back of it if you're out climbing somewhere or if you're in a gym, you just literally let go and let yourself fall back down the mat, which is terrifying when you first start – but it's actually really fun once you get used to it. Um, but I just start really com- started committing myself to getting good at bouldering, um, and seeing other people in the gym knock out routes that I couldn't even possibly hope to even begin, even start, is kind of. I mean, it kind of. What's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of. It's kind of like- It's kind of a downer. Yeah. It's like. Well, I'm never going to be that good. You know, that guy's over there climbing this V10, which is an insanely difficult route, by the way. He's crushing this V10, and I'm over here at a V2 sweating. Like, I'm I'm in pain halfway up this V2, and this guy just topped out of this V10. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. But you just have to start.
1: Really, a good thing to do is stop comparing yourself to others and start comparing yourself to you because that should be your real marker of progress that's compare yourself to last week yeah last week compare yourself to last week to last month to last year who were you then who are you now if you're not seeing a difference well you need to work harder you know but a lot of times you know when you start doing these little projects even if you don't feel perfect and you look back and you see the changes in yourself then you really feel feel the results, and you're like, oh my God, I'm getting better, and if you continue with that, one day, it could be next month, it could be in a few years, you're gonna look back, and you know, on that day, you're gonna be really good at whatever it is that you're doing, and you're gonna look back, and you're gonna be like, oh my God, <laughs> here I am, I made it, like, this is something I would've would have been completely out of my depth, you know, a while back, but all of a sudden, here I am, and I'm doing it, and it's done. Yeah. That's going to be an amazing feeling. So, you know, compare yourself to you. You can, know, this
0: is not about anybody else. I can tell you, I just started bouldering hard like two months ago, and I'm already noticeably better at it. I have more upper body strength than I did two months ago. And it's really encouraging because when I walked into that gym the first time, I could barely get a V zero. And Last or a couple days ago when I went climbing, I pushed myself and almost topped out of V3 which is I guess three levels above uh, a V0 but that's not really how it works. It's a lot more difficult than a V0 and uh, yeah I topped out a V I topped out a, a, a V3 and I'm in a lot of pain right now but I could do it I mm-hmm. could physically push myself enough to do it. So you know I wouldn't have been able to do that even a week before so by comparing myself now to how i was a week two weeks like caleb said uh you know a couple weeks maybe a month ago i can see that i'm improving and i know that if i keep pushing myself a little bit every time i go back to the gym Mm -hmm. every time i start writing every time i start welding I'm going to get just a little bit better every single time. The people who make that kind of stuff look easy have been doing it for years. Mm -hmm. There's no one on this planet who can just pick up... Well, there are very, very few people on this planet who can just start doing something and immediately be great at it. If you start writing and write a sentence, you will be better at writing than you were before you wrote that Mm -hmm. sentence. So... It doesn't even have to be a big thing. If you start making something, if you cut one piece of cardboard, you'll be better at cutting cardboard than you were before. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's as simple as it is. And it only gets more complicated when you want it to get more complicated. If you a lot of, here's a thing that I'm kind of good at now, but I really, really want to get better at is cooking a lot of people don't get into cooking because they think it's super, super complicated because they're looking at these super, super complicated recipes. And a lot of people have the misconception that French cooking is extremely difficult. And I will tell you that there are certain French techniques that are fucking impossible, but the vast majority of them are absolutely essential and easy. Um, but people, people look at cooking like it's a super complicated thing, but they don't know how to cook anything so obviously it's going to look like this super complicated thing it's like how do i make a 10 course dinner i've never even cooked an egg in my life we'll start with the egg make an egg boil an egg scramble an egg poach an egg make hollandaise sauce make a custard and then you can make a creme brulee mm-hmm. it's it's just you build you build upon the skills that you've already learned and it will only Get more complex if you want it to. If you never want to try something as complex as a custard or a creme brulee, then don't make a custard or a creme brulee. Get really good at making omelets.
1: Yeah. You're the one controlling the direction of where you're going. Remember that. Um... I've I've suffered a lot with this in my life is where I fell out of control or like I'm not the one in control I can't do it I can't I can't I can't but what you have to realize is that while you can't control the world outside of you you are the absolute arbiter of what you are doing so you can control how you react or you are rather you are controlling how you react how you perceive Uh, What you will, what you're doing, all of that is 100% under your control, whatever it is you are. Um, You know, deep philosophical questions aside, you're you, and you are the only one in control of you. Sorry, paranoid schizophrenics. Thought insertion isn't real. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Thought insertion is just you fucking with yourself again, so... Anyway, that's all for today, folks. Um, stay yeah. strong. Stay creative. Just uh, create. Just yeah, create.
0: Just, create. Just make something. Make yeah. anything. Yeah, actually,
1: I'm going to add an addendum to that because I believe that you're creating every moment of the day. So create what you want to create. <laughs> create what you want to see. <laughs> okay? Do that. Uh, start becoming... Those things that you want to see. Yes. Uh, start making those things that you want to see. Because you're already making things. You're already creative. It's just what you're creating. And it's all pattern, consistence, habit. So create that habit and then get it going. It'll make its own momentum. Once you've got enough momentum, it'll keep itself going. Yeah. I've been eating for
0: years. <laughs> 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 all right, I think that's it. Um we don't really have an outro. We don't. We need to come up with an outro. Well
1: goodbye, uh, goodbye, goodbye. That wasn't Metro PCS. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Um so yeah. Be creative. Um That's it, really. Be creative. Make yeah. something. Slap some music
1: on the end of this baby.
0: Yeah, well I'm gonna slap music on the end of all, the, all of them. Okay. All right. Anything you want to add? Anything random. Give me one random thing. That's what we're going to do for our outro. Give me one random thing. Just say something random.
1: Well, um, we are 93 million miles away from the sun. And uh, despite that... Or is it 93 billion? Fact check this for me, folks, because I honestly can't remember. It's one of those two. And despite that, that bitch can still give you sin cancer. So put on suntan lotion okay guys take care of your skin Ah. this is called a podcast this is like tv except nobody's watching